Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Morning, folks. Still don't quite have my voice back. Uh, it is Wild Card Weekend, so gonna just uh, run through these games pretty quickly with my thoughts. Not so much on the DFS breakdown, but I'll give you a couple of plays that I think make sense in terms of uh, some of these matchups. Uh, uh, but it's only Saturday, so we don't have the Sunday pricing yet. But uh, first up, we got the Raiders traveling to uh, Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Bengals six point favorites. Uh, uh, Over unders at uh, at forty eight and a half. Uh, my my thoughts honestly here is um, basically the Bengals should win this game. They should win it pretty smoothly. But the problem is is that I know the Bengals are one of the worst coach teams in the league, and they will find ways of keeping this Raiders team in the game, even though this should be straightforward. I. I I don't see a pathway for the Raiders to win this game other than since he just, just screwing themselves over because since he can run the ball with Joe Mixon, they have too many passing options for the Raiders to cover. The Raiders aren't good in the secondary to begin with. They're not really that good at stopping the run either. They're one of the worst run defenses imaginable. The way to uh, beat Cincy is to get pressure on Joe Burrow without blitzing even though he can carve you up even if you don't blitz. So the Raiders can, they, the Raiders do have a good enough pass rush to give Cincy some trouble with that offensive line because they've given up the most sacks in the league. Uh, oh, and this is one of those telltale signs that for all of you Giants fans who keep complaining about the line is why uh, Daniel Jones stinks. It's no, he stinks for many other reasons besides the line giving up sacks. You can, you can give up sacks and still be pr- productive. There are other reasons why he's just average in general, but that that's a side tangent uh, <clears throat> in terms of usage of the quarterback. What the uh, since he can do and they will do, and you'll see it later with the Bills game is they'll get uh, they can get Burrow out of the pocket, they can scramble, they can actually use his athleticism. So I think there's just too much versatility with this Bengals roster that. I just don't see where the Raiders really keep this one uh, matched up. I, I just don't see the pathway. Maybe the Raiders can get close uh, to the Bengals. So if this line goes to seven, maybe maybe you 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 get yourself a, a half a, uh, a you tease it uh, you tease it uh, if you if you want to take the Raiders side. Um, and uh, just tease it to 11, and if it's a 10-point win for the Bengals, you still cover. Maybe, maybe you go that route. But I, to me, I, I just think, look at this as this is a pretty straightforward Bengals win, in my opinion. Uh, the only question is, uh, do the Bengals just blow out the Raiders uh, and go over uh, the total? Because to me, the Bengals have easily the possibility of scoring 35 points in this game uh, or more against the Raiders. I, I Again, there's not an area where the Bengals can't just crush the Raiders uh, with their offense, but we'll see. Uh, in terms of plays, Jamar Chase obviously makes a ton of sense. Um, 
I, and I like uh, I like Uzoma to be honest too. Uh, I like Uzoma in this matchup uh, against the uh, the Raiders defense. Uh, I I think they'll uh, be kind of fo- trying to focus in on Higgins and Boyd, uh, which again leaves uh, someone's gonna be available. So yeah, will Chase uh, Jamar Chase get covered? Yeah, but the co- he can beat the coverage. He's he's that good. Um, so. I, I like Chase uh, and I like Uzoma uh, primarily, but uh, you know if they try to if they try to run bracket coverage on um, Jamar Chase, then T Higgins or Boyd, and most likely Higgins is just going to have a monster game too. So that's why I say it's it's not that clear cut who on the Bagels is the play, but more than likely the play is going to be Jamar Chase, and then if you want a secondary play, it'll probably be Uzoma. Um, uh, if from a DFS standpoint, because I'm not as keen on this night game, I'll, I'll get into why. All right, so so, uh, so tonight uh, we got Bills uh, hosting the Patriots. Really cold night in Buffalo. Um, I mean, right now it's uh, we're 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 in the te- uh, uh, it's like 14 degrees here in New York. It's even colder up in Buffalo. It's, it feels like two. Uh, Right here in downstate, upstate, it's going to be negative. But the key metric here is the fact that, I mean, honestly, there's no wind. There's no real wind uh, that's like attributable to impacting throwing a football uh, for the game uh, tonight. That that's a problem. New England needs elements to hang in this one, in my opinion. To me, Mac Jones, you know. Solid year, but th- th- clearly at this stage of his career, you know, he's at the backup QB stage of his career. Uh, he's not a starting caliber quarterback, in my opinion. He's shown he's shown development that he can be a, st- a reliable starter in the league in flashes, but it feels as though he's kind of hit that rookie wall. I don't think he has <clears throat> enough in the tank here to really punish the Bills. Because I think they're going to oversell to stop the run uh, for the Pats. Uh, Damian Harris is likely to play, but he's got a hamstring issue. Uh, it, you know, it's three-headed uh, backfield with Ramondre Stevenson. And then you got Brandon Bolden as a third down back. It, you know, for DFS purposes, I hate I hate uh, these options. Uh, to me, I would just say for the two games, let's just play Mixon and uh, Jacobs and, and live with the consequences. Because... Maybe you might get something out of the Pats running backs, but I I don't see it. And in the Pats passing game, I, I don't like any of these options, to be honest. Like, the only option maybe you could do is uh, Hunter Henry or a Kendrick Bourne in a blowout script because I think the Bills will concentrate on Jacoby Myers, and then, you you know, someone's got to be available to, for Mac Jones to throw to if they're as behind as they could fall in this game because. This line at Bills minus four and a half, I don't understand this one. Um, I know the Pats beat them once, but we got to take into context what happened in that game. The, the elements were so bad, you could not really throw the ball, even though Josh Allen insisted on throwing the ball. It was one of the dumbest things. That, I can't believe the Bills did not run more in that game. Pats were able to beat the Bills at the line of scrimmage. And, and I get it. Like, folks are harkening back to that first game 
where the Pats were able to run on the Bills, and you've been able to run on the Bills uh, thus far in parts of this season. I mean, Jonathan Taylor smashed this Bills team, but the Bills are healthier uh, than they were at certain junctures of the year. And again, if you know if you play the team through uh, multiple times, you get a better feel for their run stunts as to what they're trying to do. And so if you can oversell to stop the run, chances are you're going to have more success stopping the run. Uh, you know, you actually kind of saw this, you know, when the Colts lost to the Jags. This is kind of what happened. The the Jags saw the Colts for the second time around. They got a better feel for the run stunts. And man-to-man, overselling to stop the run, they were able to do it and force Carson Wentz to beat him. I think you're going to see a similar situation here where the uh, where the Bills oversell to stop the run, make it a Mac Jones game. And I don't think Mac Jones is ready for this that kind of action yet. Um, you know, they want to compare him to Tom Brady up in New England. Uh, I, I get why they're excited, but I just don't see it. So, um, you know, that that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, in terms of plays, Josh Allen, uh, I like Joe Burrow personally. But Josh Allen could, is easily going to be the most projected player from a statistical standpoint. I think he can tread this Pats defense. And the reason why I think he can tread them is because of his running ability. I, you know, in the second game, they picked up on the fact that they should have ran more with Josh Allen the first game. Get him outside the pocket, make him run, and just take advantage. Because New England's going to try to uh, uh, blanket coverage digs and... It'll open up more space for guys like uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Beasley. But I think what it does is also opens up room for Josh Allen to just get outside the pocket and just start running down the field. Um, So I like rushing props for Josh Allen because I think it's way too low. I I mean, I'm seeing props here that uh, he can 45 yards and he's done that seven games this year. But uh, he like uh, there are seven games where he's ran for over fifty rushing yards. So to me, if the prop is at forty five at certain places, I, I think it makes all the sense in the world to be taking Josh Allen. I, I think he's going to be scrambling a ton just to get <clears throat> uh get room because I think the Pats are going to give him that. I think the Pats are going to give him the room to run because, again, they got to try to slow down this passing attack. And, you know, they're going to try to take away his weapons. So, you know, Josh Allen may not have a ton of passing attempts. Maybe he only gets like 20 passing attempts. But if he can run for 50-plus yards, it won't matter. Because total yardage-wise, he's still going to be over 300 yards in total yards. And if he hits over 300 total yards, this game's over. Like I don't see how the Bills don't put away the pass by double digits if Josh Allen's at over 300 combined yards. I don't I don't see it. Uh, unless they're missing field goals or like something wonky happens where they're turning the ball over. I don't see how if Josh Allen has over 300 combined yards rushing and um, passing that the Bills don't win this game by double digits. I don't see the Pats offense scoring more than, I mean, maybe they get to 20. 
maybe. But personally, I think this is probably closer to a 24 to 14 type of game. And and even then, I think the Bills could probably hit 30 on this Pats uh, defense. Uh, If Josh Allen really gets going and he starts hitting Dawson Knox in the red zone (coughs) 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 and Gabe Davis gets going, like the Bills have a ton of, (coughs) excuse me, the Bills have a ton of weapons. So to me, this is pretty much a case where uh, if the Bills get uh, get mo- moving on offense, uh, they, they take care of business and, uh, you know, get a win at home. But it, to me, it's pretty straightforward in that regard. So uh, from a DFS standpoint, I like Josh Allen. I'm not entirely sold on which pieces from the Bills I want to have. Probably Dawson Knox, maybe a Gabriel Davis from a DFS standpoint. I'm not as sold on Diggs. I, I think I'm going to just take a hard stand that the Pats isolate Diggs and make sure he's the guy who can't beat them um, tonight. So I think Diggs is probably the guy I'm going to put the hard stand on and just put shift any ownership DFS-wise because of his salary to shift any Diggs uh, salary over to Jamar Chase and just make sure I bank in the money that way. Because I think Chase is going to have a far easier time with the Raiders than Diggs could ever have against uh, Belichick. So <clears throat> uh, that takes care of the uh, the games today. Sunday, quick thoughts because um, I'm losing my voice again. Uh, Eagles uh, traveling to Tampa. Tampa favored uh, seven and a half. You know, Tampa's got a bunch of injuries. So here's the thing I like. While Tampa's a good run-stopping defense, they're not that good against mobile QBs, which is what uh, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts does. He scrambles around, he makes life difficult, and you have a hard time getting out in front of him. So to me, the way I look at this game is Jalen Hurts can keep this one close with his legs. And then force Tom Brady to have to do the work. Uh, I, I would look at this as a as a game where, you know, I think, uh, I, I I really do think that Tampa wins this game. But I think this uh, this game's probably closer than people give it credit for. I actually would look at it as Philly probably hangs around for the first half, uh, where. <clears throat> you know, the Lions at seven and a half. The first half prop is at four and a half. I think you could probably take the Philly side to hang around in that first half. And then Tampa pulls away in the second half. That that my that would be my initial thoughts uh, looking at it. Uh, just because Jalen Hurts uh, starts moving around, gives them trouble. It's a little bit tougher her first half uh, for Tampa than they were expecting. Uh and Brady uh, might take a little bit slower to get going in the game. I could see that first half being a little bit slower for Tampa before they put it on, put it on in the second half and get it all together. So to me, I I I, I lean uh, the Bucks to win, obviously, but also to cover. But I think that first half could be tricky. This next game uh, tomorrow is the one that I. I have the most conflict about because yeah, the 49ers going to Dallas to play the Cowboys. Cowboys three point favorites. I have no confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo, but 
the one thing I do know with the Cowboys defense is they will over gamble even more than they need to. If the Cowboys just play a controlled game where they're not gambling as much on defense to make a big play, they're going to win this game comfortably, in my opinion, because they have more talent than the 49ers, but their penchant for gambling and just uh, because they give up a ton of yards when they don't need to because they're trying to uh, pick off the ball, I think their penchant for gambling can burn them here because Debo Samuel and George Kittle are built for big plays down the field. So if you're going to gamble and you give those guys a chance to catch the ball in space because you try to go for a pick instead of just knocking the ball down, this game has a very dangerous chance of shooting out and being dangerous for the Cowboys because the 49ers can start running the ball and controlling clock. They can eat up time and take away time from Dak and that offense to pick on the 49ers secondary because the weakness of the 49ers is that secondary is old. They got bunch of injury they should not be able to slow down Dallas's offense but if Dallas's offense is on the bench because the 49ers are grinding the clock and Jimmy G is able to keep moving the change because uh the defense keeps gambling on passes and giving up a yardage for a first down this game could get in a very bad spot for the Cowboys and they could end up losing uh this game because to me this is the game most likely to feature an upset is if the Cowboys over overcommit, make mistakes, and 49ers punish them hard. The 49ers got to play a clean game, too. And that's why I don't trust Jimmy G to play a clean game because Jimmy G is usually reliable for at least two screw-ups per game. Uh, just the way it's been going for him lately. Uh, you know, it seems like a, 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 he'd, be, he'd, more, he'd be cleaner and a more solid QB at this stage of his career, but it just hasn't happened yet. So to me, I think this is the game where we're most likely to see an upset. I would still lean the Cowboys to pull it out, but I really do not have confidence in the play because I I, I know this Cowboys even they want to make plays. They could they could win this game by twenty and wouldn't shock me. Or they could lose this game. Wouldn't shock me either because they want to make big plays and they're going to be amped up for a playoff game. So it's it's going to be them fighting their better nature. But I, I I look at this game and I say to myself that this is a spot where Dallas could find themselves in trouble when in reality, if they played a more controlled game, they probably win this easily. But I don't think they have it in them. I don't think they have the discipline in them to uh, to execute that way. I think they they uh, they leave themselves exposed uh, in ways that they don't have to. And this game's a lot closer uh, than, uh, well, I don't even say it's a lot closer than people expect. I think people expect this to be the closest game of the weekend. That's why the line is that only at uh, Cowboys minus three. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, I, you know, it depends on how many mistakes the Cowboys make and if the 49ers can play a clean game or not. Uh, I, I think that's the best way I could sum it up. Uh, Steelers at the Chiefs, uh, otherwise known as the Big Ben Retirement Party. Listen, we could try to sugarcoat this in any nice way possible. The Steelers have no business being in this game. The Browns, like, just complete disaster. The Colts, disaster uh, down the stretch. 
the Chargers cost themselves <laughs> cost themselves uh, a playoff spot uh, with, due to Brandon Staley. Uh, you know, it is what it is. So we got the Steelers here with a roster that, I mean, they have skilled position players. They have T.J. Watt on D. But if you look at the roster composition, there are so many holes on this roster. How Mike Tomlin got this team into the postseason with Ben, whose arm is literally falling off at the bone, and he can't throw any routes outside of the fade route or the touchback. He's he can't th- he can't throw the way that Big Ben would want to throw. I mean, I think Big Ben was more than willing to uh, get eliminated. Just so he went out as a winner, as opposed to having one more game where he he gets a lit. And I know that's screwed up logic, but if you watch how Big Ben went out <clears throat> winning that final game, and you know, kind of coming being at peace with the fact that his career was, I'm telling you, I I, I kind of feel as though Ben Ben himself felt he, he was done, and that was it. it so having to go up against the Chiefs in Arrowhead, Chiefs are a twelve point favorite, and they already got thumped by this Chiefs team earlier in the year, and nothing has changed in terms of the dynamic. Yeah, you might get Juju Smith Schuster back for the Steelers, but you know, the Chiefs are still playing the exact same style. They're going they're going to press and attack the Steelers. The Steelers have got to find a way to run the ball even though their offensive line is as bad as the Giants are at run blocking and pass blocking. It, this is just rough. This is rough, rough, rough going. I, I I don't see I don't see it. I don't see how this game stays close other than the Chiefs just shooting themselves in the foot and they have one of those games where offensively they're not clicking. I don't see where the Steelers hang around in this one. It's just the areas that the Steelers are vulnerable in the, uh, the chiefs, like the chunk plays, uh, that the Steelers give up it, it just all leans into what the chiefs want to do anyway. I don't, I don't see it uh, like this. This could be the roughest watch of the uh, outside of, because I, I think that, uh, Pat's bills game could be a rough watch. The Steelers chiefs game could also be a rough, rough watch. Um, just, just saying it out there is this, this could be rough, but, um, before I uh, get out of here, we got the Monday night game. I'll talk about that quickly. Rams three and a half point favorites hosting the Cardinals. Uh, they're going to be, see, this is, this is the weird thing. The Rams don't have enough fans in LA. So road fans have been able to dominate. Arizona doesn't have that many fans either. Um, so you might get a mixed crowd. I'm not sure if they're going to sell out that stadium. I'm not entirely sure they're going to sell out SoFi when that's outside of the Super Bowl. I'm not sure they're going to sell out that city. They should. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see Monday. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is rough. Uh, I don't. I don't trust either one of these teams. Uh, just being perfectly honest, Matt Stafford could throw a pick six in this game and the Rams could still win because Cliff Kingsbury uh, has a very bad tendency of self-destructing at the worst possible time with his play calling. And you've seen it with the Cardinals down the stretch where 
they don't quite know what to do with themselves and they look discombobulated. Again, I think Sean McVay has a lot to prove. I think Kingsbury has a lot to prove. You've got two coaches that are supposed to be offensive gurus and their offenses looked anything but the last couple of weeks. I think this total of 50 makes sense. I think this game could shoot out because you got defenses that, while talented, you have more than enough offensive pieces that this game should be able to shoot out. I just don't know for certain uh, if uh, if that's uh, necessarily the way it's going to go. So, um, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting matchup to say the least. Uh, but uh, I- I'm going to still lean towards the Rams, but it's. It's not even remotely confident to lean. It's just more of the fact that backing Cliff Kingsbury always seems like it's a terrible idea to do in a high-pressure situation. So uh, that's all I got for uh, today. Hopefully my voice feels better so I can cover these Sunday games uh, in depth tomorrow. But uh, best of luck, folks, and until next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.